Good to have the Barnes with us this morning. Good to see you all. And uh, praise the Lord. Good to see Good to see Donnie. If you wondered how all this parking lot got here and this dirt got out of the way and the piles looked nice over there, that was Donnie. And uh, so if you need any dirt dug, here's your plug. Call Donnie. <laughs> so good to see you today. All right. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5. Um, I don't have to really do a lot of explaining here. I think we know that we are definitely living in an alarming day of self-centeredness, um, kind of on display everywhere we go, is it not? I mean, just think of the things where, uh, that you see how people uh, live anymore, uh, contrary to what used to be taught, right? There's these videos going around online of these kids at Halloween and they're just empty. I mean, families are coming, uh, adults and children, and they're just emptying buckets, and they're taking everything off the porch. And there's a video I saw the other day. This mother was videoing her little girl walking up the stairs. It said, two buckets, take one. And she starts going like this, and, and mom was going, ha, 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 Now, your mother would have gone, <laughs> one, right? It says one. <laughs> yeah, put those back. <laughs> no, right, yeah, no, no, but she laughed, you know, I'm just telling you, we're looking around at a day where it is absolutely on display everywhere that we're living in a total, uh, just an absolute self-centered society. How about the way people drive? Oh, don't get it, uh, now we got, we got, we're going to, we quench the spirit now. I mean, think about it, I was just, we are just coming in this morning, and, and, and I have to be aware of it, we can all do this, but you ever watch people come across an intersection, like at an angle, it's like if you're pulling up, they're taking your front bumper out. It's like, you ever think of doing this? You know, it's like, Rrr. I mean, they, they don't even think about it. How about when you're trying to pull out, you've been there first, and somebody goes, whoop, next to you to get out ahead of you. Now you just lost everything you were looking at. You know, you're like, oh, now they're in the way. You know, and you no, know, you were probably taught, well, if somebody's there, why don't you just wait till they get out, and then you can, don't block their sight. You know, it's just self-centeredness. We see it on display everywhere in the way, the way people, I mean, try getting on an airplane. Try, try getting your bags, and everybody's like, and you, you know, I just sit there and wait. I just wait. It's just chaos, right? Trying to get on, trying to get off. It's like a this herd mentality. If I mean, people are just flooding in there and trying to get to be number one, get the first one in, get the first one in. Yeah, it's everywhere, is it not? It absolutely is. And uh, Brother uh, Earl and I and, and Brother Micah were in the... Uh, in the in neighborhood over here, North Springfield, and uh, one of the one of the individuals that lived in this neighborhood was telling Brother Earl about to watch out for these the, the, these neighbors have dogs that they just let run run loose these Rottweilers and this and that. And Brother Earl was telling me he goes, it's just amazing, you know, kind of how just people don't think of their neighbor, they don't think of anybody else. And remember what I told you, Brother Earl, we we're talking about this, and I, I said, well, yeah, because the farther you get away from God, the farther you could care less about your neighbor, right? I mean, what what Jesus said he, when, when, he was, when he was challenged on the, on the commandments. He said, what? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind. And the second one is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. On, all the, on these hang all of the law and the prophets. So you, we see what's going on today, right? People get further and further away from the love of God, and they get further and further away from caring and loving their neighbor. Self-centeredness. It's on display everywhere. You might have examples running through your own mind right now, and it's getting you riled up. I, I don't mean to do that. So, 
But hold on a minute. Though the world lives like this, it's possible for us to live like this. But it's not right for us to live like this. Amen? We shouldn't be like this. We should not be a self-centered individual. We shouldn't be one who is constantly thinking of ourselves. We shouldn't be the one who is, is fighting and struggling to get, get to be in the, the first in the line and to do this and to do that. That shouldn't be named among us at all. And so when we look at our culture today, we look at society, we see how they are living, and we see from the Word of God how we ought to live we, we do have to come away from this and say, well, is there any help for us in the Word of God that we could keep on our heart to stay in love with God and to stay loving our neighbor? Is there any help for us? Right? Well, the title of the message this morning is Imitating Jesus, Walking in Love. And I want to look at that this morning out of our text. Brother Jim has read this, and we've prayed and everything, so we'll just dive right into the text here. Look at verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. How many this morning can raise your hand? You know beyond of a shadow of a doubt, 100%. You have no doubt today. You remember the day you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you say, I know I have been born again by the Spirit of God. Say amen. 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 All right. If you are born again this morning, you are a child of God. You are adopt, you have been adopted into the family of God. Jesus made it possible by the work of Calvary. And I, and I, I love this because we are, we are told that God is our Father. I love to approach the throne of grace and be able to say, Heavenly Father. My Father, I'm so thankful. I get it. What a what a what a joy that is. What a what a uh, 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 we can't even understand the gravity and the weight of that ability and that uh, that that uh, uh, that gift that we have to be able to call the Creator of all that is our Father. And we saw this last week that children imitate their parents, right? They imitate them. And then this is what it says here. This is how we were told to live in verse 1. Be ye therefore followers. That word followers means imitators. Be ye therefore imitators of God. How? As dear children. I think it's a sweet, sweet picture of a relationship of a child and his parents, especially when they're a little bit younger Right? They don't get so sweet when they're older, but they're awful sweet when they're young, and they'd imitate, and they'd copy things, and some of the things they copied, you went, uh-oh, <laughs> got to stop doing that, got to stop saying that, right? Boy, they imitate everything, right? And uh, it, it's, so, it's just a, it's a sweet picture that, that the Holy Spirit has drawn here as a child who is so connected to their parents, a child who is so watched constantly in the presence of their parents that they walk away imitating their parents. And I tell you, the, the admonition for us today is to be so in love with our Father and so in tune with our Father and so constantly in the presence of our Father that we walk away from Him acting just like Him. Boy, wouldn't that help the world? If all of the, uh, if all of the children of God uh, acted that way? And it's like a, a child who is proud of the greatness of their parent, or maybe it's just the perceived greatness, right? Uh, they have different eyes that they're looking at things, and uh, they, they begin to talk the way they talk about them and the way they act like them and things like that. I remember one time our youngest daughter, I guess, was telling somebody, uh, we, we lived out in Oklahoma City and went to a church there, a large church, and uh, she was telling somebody in the youth department trying to describe me and who I was and all this and that, and so one day she introduced me to this guy, a real big, big guy. And she's like, this is my dad. And he goes, oh, the way you described him, I thought he was going to be a little bigger than that. 
So I pulled him. No, I didn't. Anyway. No, sometimes the perception, right? right? It, it, but, but no, that's a sweet. It's sweet, isn't it? It's, it's a neat thing. And, and, the, and the Holy Spirit of God is telling this, us this morning that, watch, we should be, because of all that God has done, because of who he is, because of who we are in Jesus Christ, because we are adopted into the family of God, it should be the most natural thing for us to act like our Father, to imitate him, to walk like him, to talk like him, to, to respond like he would to a lost world. I, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful no matter how, listen, no matter how, how we uh, uh, describe our Heavenly Father, He is always, listen, He is always bigger and better than we could ever explain. I'm thankful for that this morning. Yeah. And so look at this. What, what, what kind of an example, though, do we have to live by? We're told to imitate God, right? We're told to imitate Him. We're told to act like Him, to walk like Him. Can I tell you, there's nothing worse than commands without instructions. That's tough, isn't it? Especially when you want to please especially when you want to do what you're told, especially when you want to get the job done so you don't get a whipping at the end of the day. You, you, right? You'd like to have a little bit of instruction on how to do it, right? Nothing worse than a goal without, without directions and, and things like that. So if we're going to accomplish something totally outside of our human nature, is there an illustration anywhere in the Word of God of how to accomplish the goal? And we have it here in verse Number two, walk in love. Watch this. As Christ hath also loved us. Wow. What does that mean? What does that look like? Right? What does that look like? Maybe you should just spend a little bit of time uh, looking at Jesus again. He's the one who left glory. He's the one who came into his creation, his own creation, put on the the same human flesh that he created. Could you imagine having an ant farm and feeling like you needed to rescue them? So somehow, miraculous way, you became an ant to rescue them? I wouldn't do it. Can I tell you, friend, it's far worse than that. It's a far greater condescension than that. Could you imagine? I've, had, I've done this in Sunday school before. In a college class, I brought in a jar of slugs, and I passed it around, and every girl went, you get it out of here and disgusting. I said, how many of you would become slugs for this race, for this slug race, to, to rescue these poor lost slugs? Who, listen, who would leave the glory of their human body? I'm talking literally here. Who would do this and put on the 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 form in the body of a slug so you could communicate, so you could rescue, so you could die for them and save them. I wouldn't do it. There's no way, right? And yet the condescension is far greater than that. Jesus put on human flesh. He came into his own creation. He came through the, 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 the birth canal that he created that every human being has come through who has ever lived. He condescended from the heights of glory to come down to dwell among you and I. It was Jesus who hungered. It was Jesus who thirsted. It was Jesus who experienced exhaustion. Who, I, I'm, you think about that, the God who never tires, the God who who never sleeps nor slumbers, the God who is always aware, but yet he put on human flesh that he would experience the exhaustion. He knew what it was to be cold. He knew what it was to be hot. It was Jesus. It was Jesus who, after all that he had done, who was mocked. It was Jesus who was lied about. 
It was the Lord Jesus Christ who was maligned by those who should have known who he was. You know what we found out a few weeks ago? He, they did know who he was and they didn't want him. They didn't want him. They maligned him. Oh, you be born of fornication. We, we be not born of fornication, right? Rejecting the virgin birth, saying that Mary and Joseph had a relationship outside of marriage, or Mary did at least with somebody else, right? He was mocked. He was lied about. He was maligned. He was betrayed by those who he loved. Remember over in Matthew 26, Jesus calls Judas friend. Friend, what do you need? He loved him. Well, you think he loved Judas? Well, of course, he loves the world. He loved everything. Absolutely, he loves every one of his creation. He was abandoned by his disciples. Ten, of, ten out of the twelve fled. Judas betrayed him. The rest ran away. Only John stayed by his side all the way through the crucifixion. But watch this. For three and a half years, they watched him heal. They heard him teach. They saw his compassion. They knew his love, yet they ran and they left him away. They, they left him when the trouble came at the end there. And it was Jesus who went to Calvary. It was Jesus who went to Calvary. They came from in the garden that night. He had been praying. Oh, what the disciples could have heard while they slept. What they could have heard Jesus say to the Father while they slept. He said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. He said, Father, if it be possible, would you let this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, nevertheless, no, this, this is the life of you. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Yeah. Judas, who he called friend, came and betrayed him, kissed him for 30 pieces of silver. And they, here they came and they took him away. They brought him before Caiaphas and then Pilate. Oh, no, the Jews couldn't condemn somebody to death per se. The Romans had to carry it out. Absolutely, you know, we know that. But here Jesus, what did he do? He endured the questioning from the high priest. He endured the mocking. He endured the spitting. He endured the slapping. He endured the, 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 the punches and all of these things and the accusations from the high priest. He was led before Pilate and then he was examined by Pilate as well. Art thou the king of the Jews? He said, well, you're saying it. Thou sayest. <laughs> Some reason it made him nervous, huh? Remember Pilate's wife came out and said, have nothing to do with this just man. I've suffered a dream that last night. Have nothing to do with him. And what did he do? He went and he washed his hands. He said, I find no fault in him. Do with him what you will. I'm, I have nothing to do with this. At one point, Pilate said, don't you? Jesus wouldn't answer him a word. Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to crucify thee? Right? Yeah, he said, I have the power to release thee. I have the power to crucify thee and I have the power to release thee. And Jesus said, you don't have any power at all against me. I lay down my life and I take it up again. Oh. <laughs> Pilate said, I don't find any fault in him. Yeah. And here standing before the leaders is Jesus, who is creator who is their creator, who is their sustainer. The only reason they are breathing, the only reason they are mocking, the only reason that they are spewing out all of the hate and everything that is going on is because the God of heaven has allowed them to continue to breathe air, his air, and do all that they are doing. It's because of him. Yeah. He's standing here before the judges of the world while he is the judge of all the earth. 
The judge is being judged. The one enduring the spitting and the slapping and the mocking is the one who is the second person of the Godhead who at any moment could have evaporated any one of them that stood before him. Think about that. So Pilate released him to be scourged. You know, the Roman scourging, the purpose of the Roman scourging was they they used it, you know, the old old, uh, detective things that bring somebody in for questioning. They put the bright light on them to make them tell the truth, right, in a dark room, and they get them to confess. Well, the Romans didn't use a bright light. They used a cat of nine tails. They would scourge them to get them to confess. I tell you, one whack with that, I'd be like, all right, uncle, I, I, here's what happened, right? Martin did it. Oh. <laughs> well, he's not here, you know. <laughs> They took the cat of nine tails to Jesus 39, 40 times, save one, 39 times. Why'd they keep going? He had nothing to confess. He, he stood at one point and said, which of you, what a, what a brazen thing. To, could you imagine one of us doing this? Which of you convinceth me of sin? Nobody could do it. Nobody stood up. Nobody came forward. And here he is at the scourging of the Romans, uh, lash after lash after lash of the lash. They kept going Why he had nothing to confess. He was the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He was righteous. He was holy. He was without sin and without spot. As that whip came down and ripped flesh after flesh after flesh off of his body, scientists said it is no doubt that organs of his body would have been visible after the whipping of the soldiers. Massive blood loss. No wonder he couldn't carry the rest of that cross up up the rest of the way up Calvary. We, I walked that road. Some of you have been there. You've walked that road, that little path. It's all, uh, all the way up to Calvary through the, through the markets and things like that, all the way up to the place of the skull, to that place in the caves and the old quarry that Solomon used to, to quarry out the stone for the temple. And there they crucified them, I believe, along the road uh, there. And they brought him up there. They led him up Calvary. The Bible, you know what the Bible says about him? says, as the lamb before the shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. I was in, we're just in Australia, as you know, and they, we watched some uh, sheep shears. And it's amazing to how they do it because they'll get in there with the sheep and they'll flip that thing up on its back and they'll drag it out. And the moment that thing gets up on its back, it just goes uh, like this. Uh, and they can just do whatever they want with it. Right? It never opens its mouth. Once it gets on its back, it never says, nah. it never does that. And I think it's amazing, the creator of all of his, his universe and all of his, he knows what all of them does. And he says, yeah, you know what? He, the son of man, when he comes, right? listen, he's going to go before as, as the shearers is dumb. He's not going to open his mouth. And they laid him down. He said, not a word. He said, he didn't say stop. He didn't say no. He didn't say, I don't want this. They brought him up to Calvary and they laid him down. They nailed him to that post that cross beam and that vertical beam and that cross beam, they nailed them to it. They would have driven those spikes through the wrist where all of that, where they say where, where, where the majority of these, of these uh, 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 tendons and, and all of the um, nerves, thank you, that's the word, uh, come through and the, the, the pain that would have ran through the body, we could not even explain. These, hey, listen, these Romans were experts at getting the most amount of pain out of somebody while they crucified him. They, wanted, they were the greatest at making a statement, don't cross the Roman Empire. You will wish you never lived. 
And this is what they did to the Lord Jesus. He spent the last hours of his time on earth pushing up that torn up back, the organs uh, no doubt exposed. He spent the last moments of his life with his hands up, pushing up to get every breath that he ever breathed. That's what they would do. They died of asphyxiation. In a Roman crucifixion, they died hanging there. They couldn't get any breath anymore, and they would die trying to breathe. No, he wasn't coming down, friend. He was not coming down. In the garden, remember, he, he had said to Peter, he just whacked off the, the ear of Malchus, and, and Jesus said, Peter, stop, put up your sword. He said, don't you know that I, even at this very present moment, I could ask of my father 12 legions of angels, and he would send them in a moment. But he didn't do it. He stayed there. He never came down. They said, if you be the son of God, prove it. Right? Take, pull yourself off the cross. No, he did something greater. He stayed there. It would have been the easiest thing in the world to come off the cross. It was the greatest display of deity to stay on there. He wouldn't come down. I wonder if the portals, in the portals of heaven, the angels of God stood ready to come. The 12 legions of angels, maybe, maybe they stood there ready to come. I don't know how you imagine things. Sometimes I imagine things in my own mind, but I wonder if they sat there and stood there waiting to come. I wonder if they stood there saying, Father, now? Should we go now? Should we go now? And every time he says, no, 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 up until his last breath, no, we're not going. I don't know what the angels of God thought when the Father turned his back. I don't know. I don't know if it's shock to them. They're not all-knowing. Angels aren't all-knowing. I don't know if they gasp and they wonder what is going on. This is God the Father, God the Son. They're eternally one. And yet he turns his back. Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The angels never came. Jesus stayed there. For you, friend. For you. You know what his last words were? Some of his last words? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And in my hands I commend my spirit. What did he do? He laid his life down. He died when he wanted to die. Nobody took his life. <laughs> he laid it down exactly when he was ready. Yeah. Three days later, he took it up again. Amen. I like that. But this is how he died. The Son of God, who left glory, who left the splendor of glory. You go to Revelation, you, you see how, how John saw Jesus in all of his glory. Oh, my. He said he fell at his feet as dead. He couldn't handle it. No, he put that aside. And he came to this earth and he died naked and mangled and rejected and deserted and alone. They said his visage was so marred there was no way to even recognize him. Yeah. Hey, no, this is how Jesus walked. This is how he walked. You want help knowing how to live a selfless life? Walk like this. You say, go to crucifixion? No. No. 
dying to self. Paul said, I die daily. Yeah. He walked in love. This is what, this is, I mean, uh, you, you know, this is love, right? How, how could you not, I mean, there's not a greater illustration in the, in the world that has ever been of love than the, than the act of Jesus Christ by coming and dying and raising again. It's love. I want you to notice two areas that Jesus lived this life of love. Number one, he lived it towards man. Look what it says, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. So he is, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ has walked in love towards us. Towards us. Wounded for me. Wounded for me. There on the cross he was wounded for me. Gone my transgressions and now I am free. All because Jesus was wounded for me. It was for you. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He loved you. He loves me. And Calvary, Calvary is the greatest, the greatest example, the greatest illustration of love, right, that anybody could have. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. He called Judas friend. He died for him too. And he said no. So Jesus walked in love towards us, humans, sinners, <laughs> weirdos, yeah, yeah, crazies, smart, not smart. And even if you're smart and super smart and brilliant and genius, you were still created. And you're still nothing compared to God. No, he died for us. I tell you, it, it, listen, it, it would really help us one of these days to get a better view of ourself. And one way to get a better view of ourselves is to get a better view of God and who he is. But not only that, secondly, notice this. This is interesting. Verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. Now notice this. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Not only did Jesus walk in love towards us, but he walked in love in this earthly trod. He walked in love towards his Father. His Father. A sweet-smelling savor. Notice that there. An offering of a sweet-smelling savor. Do you know there is three different grades, there are three grades of of these sweet-smelling free will offerings in the Old Testament. You can go back and look at them uh, over in, uh, I think, Leviticus it is. I forgot to write down a, uh, the, the little text there, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you can go back and look at that. There was three different offerings, and there, there were three grades of offerings. And the first grade of a free will offering was you could bring a turtle dove or a pigeon. And when you brought that little pigeon, that little turtle dove, the priest would help you. And you'd prepare that and you would offer that little thing. It's cheap, you know, turtle, dove, pigeon. That's a cheap offering, but it was still from the heart. And God still accepted it. And there was the help of the priest. And God said it was like a sweet-smelling savor. It was free will offering. They didn't have to do it. They just wanted to. I tell you what, you know what God enjoys? God enjoys when we don't have to. He loves it when we want to. Yeah. 
And so here he is, his free will offering. That's the first one. Here's the second grade. You can move up a little bit and you could go and you could offer a bullock. The bullock, a part of a, 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 a bullock, a young lamb or a young steer. And you could bring that in. You could willingly offer it up. And the priest would help with that as well. Not as much as with the pigeon, but the priest would help with that as well. But the third offering, the third offering was the biggest and the best offering. And that was a full-grown, mature lamb or a steer. And with that offering, the priest would not help. There was no help with that one. Watch this. Watch this. God accepted all of these. But the offering of a full-grown, mature sheep or a steer was the greatest. Why? Well, that little pigeon, the dove, the priest helped. Right? It's a wonderful thing. You ever, you ever come offering time when your kids were little, you gave them money to put in the offering, you'd help them. Okay. No, don't. Get it out of your pocket. Put it in there. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's not yours. It's God's. <laughs> you'd help them. Right? They're not mature yet. As they got a little bit older, you might help them a little bit and teach them on tithing and giving and, and giving to God and giving out of a heart. And God loves a cheerful giver. And you'd help them along. But eventually they come to maturity and they tell you, uh, you don't have to help them at all. They just come on their own. I mean, they're just on their own strength and their own ability. And they just want to give God something out of their heart. And boy, that's awesome to see. Isn't that wonderful? You see, the sacrifice, this sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I lay my life down and I take it up again. Hey, the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ was offered by one who was strong and mature. It was offered by one that needed no help with a priest. He, he is the great high priest. He was able to offer himself by himself. Are we listening? This was not the little turtle dove of a child who needed help. It was the free will offering of a strong man who did exactly what he wanted to do with no help from anybody else. This was the offering that Jesus offered of him. Self, he offered it unto his father. Yeah. He needed no help. He was going to Calvary. His offering of his own life. Nobody was, Peter tried to help. He, he, he tried to help him not give the offering, right? Yeah. It was completely his own. Watch, it was accepted by God. Aren't you glad? I'm glad the offering of the Lord Jesus was accepted by the Father. Amen. You know what it says here? It was a sweet-smelling savor unto God. His Father said, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, son. Thank you. Don't miss this. The sacrificial life of Jesus was twofold. He sacrificed for you and me, and he sacrificed for his Father. He, he, Jesus walked in love toward us and he walked in love towards his father. Jesus uh, hung on the cross for you and I and he hung on the cross for his father. Why? Because his, his father wanted his creation back. Because his father loves us. Behold what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Jesus lived his life as a sacrifice for others and he lived his life as a free will offering to his father. Hey, no, watch, let me say it this way. Jesus said no to self for us and our eternal benefit and he said no to self for the father and his eternal benefit when he said not my will but thine be done. Watch this. When your life imitates God, you're going to live like Jesus. 
And what does that mean? You're going to live in love towards fellow man and you're going to live in love towards your Heavenly Father. Why, why would you need both? Because the one you're supposed to love is the one who you say you love loves. Oh, boy, I don't know if that made sense. Yeah. Can I tell you, every time you're unnecessarily at odds with, with especially another uh, believer in Christ, you're in odds with somebody who God loves. Yeah. That's why we ought to pray for mercy for people. Instead of vengeance. <laughs> no, I'm, not talking, I'm not saying that, that, that uh, you know, laws don't get obeyed and people pay for their crimes and things. I'm not saying that at all. We're not pacifists. Right? When your life imitates the Lord Jesus, you will love people like Jesus loves people. Rescue the perishing, right? Care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. Weep or the erring one. Lift up the fallen. Jesus, tell, Jesus is mighty. Jesus can save. Right? You'll love God like Jesus loved the Father. You'll love people like Jesus loves people. And you'll love the Father like Jesus loved the Father. Not my will, but thine be done. Question. Are you walking like this? Say, well, that's pretty big, pretty big steps. Can I tell you? You have a pretty big God living in you? Yeah. You don't have to live like this. All you have to do is yield to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to live through you like this. And it's possible. You know what the world needs today? It doesn't need any more self centeredness. It definitely doesn't need any more self centered Christians. It needs, listen, it needs children of God living and walking like the Lord Jesus Christ, walking in love just like Jesus did. May God help us to do that. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Would you help us to be like Christ? It's not in our flesh, that's for sure. It's the last thing our flesh really wants to do. But Lord, it's so necessary. And I'm thankful that not only have you given us the instruction of what to do, you've given us the power to do it. Lord, we don't have any excuses left. We really don't. God, would you help us this morning? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you would, please, the instrument's going to play. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you today. Is there anything the Holy Spirit of God has pointed out in your life? Is there any selfishness creeping in? Are you walking like Christ? Are you walking in love? Maybe you are and you just realize, oh, you just want to do more. You want your life to be more of a free will offering than it even is right now. Yeah. Not because anybody's helping you, not because anybody's prodding you, not because anybody's telling you how to do it and what to do it. Because No, no because you just want to. And you want to give your life to God as a sacrifice. People are praying. Whatever your need is, you respond to the Spirit of God. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've never been born again. You're not saved. You're not walking like Christ. You can't because you're not in Christ. Do you know today you can be born again? You can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and be born again. If you need to be saved, you come. You come. If you're watching online, 
you can call, you can email. Somebody will take the Bible, will take the Word of God, will show you how you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven and that you're right with God. Lord. May God help us. Amen. Well, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Good to see everybody out this morning.